Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. If you have t-shirts in your closet that you no longer wear but can't bear to get rid of, send them to Project Repat and have them turned into a cozy t-shirt blanket. Dean and I and some friends recently did this for somebody we love dearly who was going off to college. Mm-hmm. And every time she's wrapped up in her dorm on a cold night, it's like she a can hug. Yeah, she can think about us hugging her. Find out more and place your order today at projectrepat.com and use the code BTB for 25% off. That's projectrepat.com. Promo code BTB for 25% off. Hey, folks, before we get started with today's show, we have a few super exciting announcements for you. First up, we have official Buy the Book merch. Yay! Yay! We have got adorable bookmarks so you never lose your place in your favorite self-help book. And they're magnetic, so they really stay in place. Like, they're the real deal bookmark. Oh, yes, they are. We also have a comfy buy-the-book tank with our favorite slogan. I'm a queen bitch, and I got this shit on lock. And we have a handy tote that's perfect for carrying books around town, and it does have the important warning. Caution. May contain barnyard language. So head over to podswag.com and click on Buy the Book. That's podswag.com and find Buy the Book. In other news, you guys, we are planning a live Buy the Book show in Brooklyn. Yeah! What, what? Join us on Friday, September 6th at the Bell House for Buy the Book Live. Tickets go on sale the day this episode comes out, May 9th at 12 noon. Head on over to thebellhouseny.com to buy tickets. That's thebellhouseny.com. The ticket price also includes a copy of Kristen's new book. Ah! So you want to start a podcast. So get your tickets 
you'll get a book. Plus, we have a special venture coming out very soon as well. And we'll be posting links on our social media about that, too. Lastly, we were just on the podcast, The Sporkful, a show I used to produce, by the way. And we talked about a lot of great questions from listeners, including whether to tip for takeout and how long we should wait before eating our partner's leftovers. All right, enough announcements. On with the show. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content, so maybe use headphones if you're listening at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Yeah, Kristen. You know how every time the subject of budgeting comes up, you get kind of nervous, you sort of avoid the conversation? Yes, I do know that. And didn't we learn that already when we lived by America's Cheapest Family in season one? Well, Yes, yes, we did. But my question is, what if instead of extreme budgeting like we did back then, we took a completely different approach to money? What kind of approach? A practical approach for me and for you, Mm -hmm. a spiritual approach. I'm sorry. Did you, Miss Kristen Meinzer, just say a spiritual approach? Oh, you know I did. And yes, I am Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolanta Greenberg. And this is By the Book. In each episode of Buy the Book, we choose a different self-help book to live by, follow it to the letter, and weigh in on whether or not it actually changed your life and mine, Jolenta. Today, our book is The Nine Steps to Financial Freedom, Practical and Spiritual Steps So You Can Stop Worrying by Susie Orman. Susie Orman is a personal finance guru who has written 10 best-selling books, written, co-produced, and hosted six PBS specials based on her books, hosted the award-winning Susie Orman Show, and served as contributing editor to O! The Oprah Magazine. But Susie didn't start off rich, famous, or even solidly middle class. Her family lived in working-class Chicago and survived on the ups and downs of her father's takeout chicken shack. At the age of 13, the shack caught on fire, and she watched her father dive into the flames in order to rescue his cash register. Then and there, she internalized the importance of money, that it was even worth dying for. And so it became Susie's quest to be rich. But years later, when she became a wealthy broker with a huge investment firm, she was profoundly unhappy. What went wrong? She realized that despite being rich, her relationship with money was still unhealthy. In The Nine Steps to Financial Freedom, Susie looks back at how she came to have her own dysfunctional relationship with money and shares other people's stories of financial fear and pain. Along the way, she lays out her nine-step program, which covers everything from confronting our beliefs and fears to learning the nuts and bolts of savvy financial management to finding the spiritual trust in ourselves that can lead to abundance. And throughout, she emphasizes what she considers the essential truths about money. First and foremost among those truths is that we should all prioritize people first, then money, then things. Here's how you do it. Step zero, identify what financial freedom looks like to you. Before you start any of the nine steps to financial freedom, ask yourself this question. What does financial freedom mean to me? What does it look like? Why do I want it? Financial freedom is something we're all working for, but it looks different to all of us. Step one, 
See how your past holds the key to your financial future. Remember back when you were 3, 12, and 17 and see what money memories come to you. Think about the presents you received, what you had versus your friends, and how your parents dealt with finances. Write down these money memories. Step two, face your fears and create new truths. Think about your deepest money fears, whether being homeless, not being able to afford to pay the bills each month, or being left destitute after a partner dies. Consider how your money fears are informed by your money memories from step one. Then, create a new positive financial mantra, such as, I have more money than I will ever need, or I am in control of my affairs. Say the mantra throughout the day, internalize it, and retrain your brain to believe it. Step three, be honest with yourself. Look at all of your spending for the past two years. Make categories for each item spent, like telephone, food, utilities, and so on. Then calculate what you spend versus what you bring in each month. If you're like most people, you'll find you're spending more than you realize. So either take on additional work if you can, or do the more common thing, make realistic budget cuts to categories that you know you can afford to trim. Step four, be responsible to those you love. Put together a will or even better, a revocable living trust to reduce your loved one's fees when they inherit what you've left them. Decide who your executors and beneficiaries will be. Also, create a durable power of attorney for your health care that includes directives about whether you want life-sustaining treatments in various situations and who will be your agent to follow through on your wishes. If you have young children, invest in life insurance. If you're in your mid-50s or older, invest in long-term care insurance. And depending on what kind of work you do, also consider long-term disability insurance. Step five, be respectful of yourself and your money. Write down all the ways you disrespect your money, whether by paying your bills late or going out to eat just because you don't feel like cooking. Next, begin practicing respect. Start small by taking out your wallet and placing your bills so they face the same way and are organized. Then focus on tackling your debts. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, set up a payroll for yourself in the form of IRAs, 401ks, or other retirement accounts, as well as high-return savings accounts. Step six, trust yourself more than you trust others. Contemplate various financial scenarios and pay close attention to what your gut is telling you. From co-signing a sibling's lease to investing in a new business, know what makes you uncomfortable and what risk you're okay with. Then, invest your money according to your risk tolerance, whether through your 401k or on your own. If you decide to hire a financial advisor to help you, remember that you are the boss, not them. Step 7. Be open to receiving all that you are meant to have. Don't grasp your money so tightly that your hand isn't open to receiving more. See money as something that can and will flow your way and that you can give freely. Each month, donate a set amount to charity in order to put you in touch with the best part of yourself and remind you that the flow of wealth is never-ending. Step 8. Understand the ebb and flow of the money cycle. Think about your entire financial history. Think of the worst financial things that have happened to you and how you felt. What set those things off and how has your life changed? Now, think of whether there have been any gains, lucky breaks, or wisdom that have come from your losses. Focus on those. View everything that happens as positive. And always take the long view of your financial past and future. Step 9. Recognize true wealth. Set aside at least an hour to be alone in your home and pretend that your house is a store. Affix imaginary price tags to every item based on what they would be worth. Then examine the items that really matter most to you. The ones that come with memories and history, like gifts from loved ones and mementos handed down to you. What kind of price tag would you put on those? That's what the book says, and so that's what we did for two weeks straight.
So, Kristen, you love money. So I want to hear about your first week of living by the nine steps to financial freedom. Well, because this is a money book and because numbers <laughs> matter, I decided to do all the steps in order. Congrats. And I started, of course, that means with step zero, setting a financial goal for myself. And this was super easy, actually. I knew I wanted to feel secure about my financial future when I'm a senior citizen. Mm -hmm. As I'm sure most of our listeners know, it's been predicted that all millennials and most Gen Xers will not have Social Security to rely on in our older years. And the older I get, the more I wonder, am I saving enough and what will enough look like? So I made looking out for my elderly self my goal in this. That is very responsible and not surprising at all because Kristen's <laughs> always responsible. So what'd you do after you were just so responsible in step zero? Of course, I did step one. Of course. Seeing how my past holds the keys to my financial future. And as the book suggests, I did this step with a friend. Here I am with my pal TJ, swapping stories of our most vivid childhood money memories, beginning with his. For me growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. My parents were pretty good with it. Basically, like, everything I had was used. So I remember I was on the cross-country ski team, and I had the worst skis ever. <laughs> and I was always doing so badly, and I thought it was just because I sucked at the sport. And I switched skis with somebody who had, like, they were thinking from a wealthy family. They got fresh, like, brand-new things that were really, really nice. And I was just, like, super fast. <laughs> <laughs> And what about you, Kristen? Do you have any vivid childhood memories about uh, from, from your childhood? When I was a little kid, I had this piggy bank shaped like a giant Tootsie Roll. And I kept all of my money there from, I don't know, like birthdays or other things. And I remember my mom and dad were newly divorced. And my mom wanted to go out and she asked if she could borrow money from my Tootsie Jar. And... I just, I think about that, about the desperation of a single mother needing to leave the house for just a couple hours with a friend for her sanity, and she doesn't have money to do it, so she borrowed from me. Wow. And that's one of my most vivid money memories, actually. Yeah, that's really, that's profound. I mean, that's really serious. That's intense. Oh, I think probably because my parents are going through divorce, but I am now crying. Oh, don't I am so sorry. <sighs> no, it was a very intense, like, and kind of beautiful memory, both of them. <laughs> um, and, you know, of course, even little baby Kristen was just so responsible with her money. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> I mean, sometimes <sighs> I think memories like that, I'm sure, are part of the reason why I felt I had to be so good with my money. I'm sure, yeah. And for listeners who may not know this, who maybe haven't listened to all of our back episodes, my mom worked retail her whole life. And when my dad left her for another woman, mind mm. you, my mom's one retail job turned into three retail jobs. Yeah. She had to work three jobs. And we would not have survived if my nana hadn't stepped in to take care of us. But on the bright side, my nana made being thrifty super fun. And mm -hmm. I've always enjoyed the game of saving money as a result of her guidance. And I oh, love yeah. being cheap. I just love it. And you do make it a game. It's so and, like, fun. It is very, it's like thrilling to you. Like I watch you like get a high. Like <laughs> when you buy things more fun on than sale. Spending. Yeah. It is, it is. But were you also able to link that vivid Tootsie Roll memory to any of your financial fears, you know, the way step two says you should? Absolutely. Um, you know, I didn't have to do a special exercise to realize how that Tootsie Roll memory is linked to my fears, actually, mm -hmm. because up until maybe 10 years ago, I carried around an extreme, visceral, irrational fear that I would end up a single mother with two babies living in an alley drinking turpentine. Oh, my 
God. Why turpentine? I don't know. I have no idea. But I have to say, at this point in my life, very fortunately, this Mm -hmm. is not a thought that enters my mind every day. It used to enter my mind on the daily. I mean, it's so transparent. You're like, I'm afraid I will literally become my mother, a woman who is a single (laughs) mother of two struggling. With nobody to help me, though, because I don't have a nana, and I don't have, like, my mom's not alive. There's nobody Mm, to help me. Oh, my God, I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I thought I had gotten past all this. But then I was talking about it with my husband, Dean. I mean, I get it. I don't think you have that fear. I don't think you're ruled by it in any way. But I I do think that you always don't feel like you have any kind of safety net. Well, I don't have a safety net. I, I haven't had parents alive for 10 years. And even when I did, I never felt like I could see them as a safety net. I guess I've always felt like I have to be able to handle things alone. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I, I understand. But you don't have to, hun. We're together now. We will handle things together. God damn it, Dean. That's so sweet. He's still <laughs> it making is. me cry this whole episode. Um, that's just so interesting. It's more about, like, being alone. Um, yeah, and that's something Susie says in the book. Like, all yeah. of our issues with money, it's not really about the money. It's about connections. That makes sense. So what did you start telling yourself to remind yourself, like, you have Dean now. Not that you need a man, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. That, like, you're fiercely independent. You own property. You have a safety net. Like, what did you start telling yourself? So I adopted two mantras. The first was, I have more money than I will ever need, which is one of the suggested mantras yes. from Susie. straight out of the book. Yep, straight out of the book. And rationally, I actually know that's totally true. Like, you're pretty solid. You, I am. you and your husband have like steady income, you own property, like you're 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 the person I go to when I'm like, "Kristen, what's money? How do I do it?" Like <laughs> Yes. And yeah. I also know I've survived on way less than I make now. Right. I mean, my first full-time job was $7 an hour. Boof. And Mine was 10. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I know if I could survive on that, like I can definitely survive on what I have now. I have way more than that right now. Mm-hmm. And I also adopted a second mantra. My second mantra was I am fortunate to be loved, and I'll never have to go it alone. Mm, yay. And I said both mantras every day, and it really nice. it meant a lot to me. It really did. And uh, after that, I assume you did step three? Of course I just did. Just going in order? Yeah, just going in order. So step three, that's being honest with ourselves about our finances. And you know what? This was almost like a non-stop to me. Of course it was. I was like, if there's one person who knows everything coming in and out for more than two years and every month, it is Kristen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I am fortunate because since I worked my way through school, I don't have any student loan debt. I don't mm-hmm. have any credit card debt. And just because of who I am and my own practices, I already check my bank account many times Constantly. a week. And yeah. I always pay my bills ahead of schedule. And I have things on auto pay and so on. So, I mean— that part was very, very easy. That being said, Dean and I did try to spend less money during this step because even though we knew we were always coming out ahead every month, you know, in the spirit of the book, we yeah. tried to spend less. We did a little more eating in rather than eating out. For drinks with friends, we only had one round each time. What? Not two margaritas Who for this girl. are you two? No. Nope. Just one margarita for this lady. Wow. You are a full, like, you guys are a solid two-round couple. Yes, we are. Like, we definitely. <laughs> like, I know if I'm going out for drinks with Kristen and Dean, there are two rounds. Well, like, with Dean, sometimes more than Well, that. yeah. If, if it's Friday and Dean had a bad day at work, you never know. Yeah. Anyway, how did you end your first week? 
I ended it with step four, being responsible to those I love. And with this step, I felt the most important thing was to create that revocable living trust Mm. and durable power of attorney for our end-of-life needs. But I have to say, the step was way harder than I thought it would be. Here I am with Dean trying to set up the trust. Okay. Grant her name. That's me. Yes. Kristen Markinser. From Brooklyn, New York. Okay. Yeah. Second grantor name, Dean McRoby. Dean McRoby. All right. Now let's just tell all of your listeners our social security numbers. <laughs> it's one 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 one. Ha! Gotcha. Okay. Will both grantors also be acting as trustees? Yes. Save and continue. Okay. Because it's mutual. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. Who will manage the trust should the primary trustees pass away or become incapacitated? Who should we name? Chances are it's going to be someone as our age or younger, right? Oh, I didn't think about that. So we have to choose somebody younger than us. Probably, yeah. So my sister, maybe. Your sister, less so. Nieces or nephews? Maybe. Oh, I didn't think about that. This is a bigger conversation than I thought it was going to be. I thought we would just fill up paperwork. a web wizard. It's a life conversation we should have. I don't know if we're going to finish this part in two weeks. Ay, 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 that is so tough. Those are some big, big old questions. Yes, yes. And those questions were bringing back some of those irrational fears for me that I talked about earlier in the week. Mm -hmm. For example... If Dean dies, who do I rely on? If I die, who does he rely on? And are we in this alone? Do we want to put this burden on nieces and nephews and other young family members? They're just kids right now. I mean, it just seems crazy right. to put children's names on major Yeah, it feels, it feels irresponsible, documents. even though you're doing it to yeah. be responsible. Yeah, but obviously we can't put down people our own age or older because they're probably going to be dead at the same time as us or before us. So, I mean, it actually just, like, brought back all of those anxieties. Totally. And I kept trying to soothe myself with my mantras, but the mantras weren't totally doing it for me. Right. Of course. And that's where you ended your first week? Yeah. Trying to say mantras and the mantras not working. Great. And being like, we're all going to die. How do I predict when I'll die? And who will still be alive? Like, I have more money than I'll ever need. (sighs) And everybody I love is dead. And I'm probably dead, too. And life is fleeting. All right. Well, enough enough about life and death for me, Jolenta. Oh, yes. Let, let's talk about you and your first week of living by the nine steps to financial freedom. I am just dying mm-hmm. of curiosity oh, I know you to are. know how this went for you. So, as we said earlier, in season one, when we lived by America's cheapest family, I don't love dealing with money. I have a tumultuous relationship with it. I like pretending it doesn't exist and just not thinking about it or dealing with it. Yeah. Reminder to listeners who may not have heard that episode, Jolenta back then did not even know her online banking logins. But I've grown a lot since then. Yes. (laughs) I have my banking logins pre-programmed in my phone. I look at them and everything. And, you know, since we lived by that book, I have been trying to take more ownership over my finances. So I went into this book really trying to channel my inner Kristen. You know, I'm going to take this book seriously. I'm going to be a goody-goody. I'm going to do all the steps in order and everything. Wow, really? Yes. So That means you did step zero first, just like me. Of course. I did just what I was channeling my inner Kristen. I literally did what you did. Okay, so I want to know, what was your step zero goal? What was your financial freedom goal? So here it is. I want to feel like money isn't toxic. I want to feel confidence and ownership when I deal with money. Ooh, 
That is great. Yeah, because I feel like I'm much more aware of my money and how I use it than I used to be, but I still don't have a lot of confidence. Like, I feel like a dumb novice. So to figure out more about that lack of confidence, I just went to step one. Ah, yes. Seeing how your past holds the key to your financial freedom. So I sat down with Brad, my partner, and we told each other our first money memories. So it's sort of a twofold because I had a memory of being in Minnesota, visiting my grandparents, and I went to the grocery store with my grandma. (laughs) And she took me to the toy aisle and was like, you can pick anything you want. You want to, like, grab a little thing? Like, let's let's find you something. And I picked this five-pack of pony in my pocket, which were these very small choking hazard ponies. And it, like, blew my mind because I didn't know how, like, toys, how you got toys. Because, like, for me, toys were always a present or, like, a surprise. You didn't choose toys. I didn't pick a toy. I didn't know it could come from, like, the stupid place I was always bored. Like, the grocery store. And then when we went home and I was at the store with my mom, I, like, went and got another five-pack of pony in my pocket and was like, I know how this works now. And so we get to the register and I, like, go to put it on the conveyor belt. And she was like, we can't get that. And I was like, why? When she was like, I don't have enough money. Do you want, like, milk or the pony in my pocket? That's a great power play. What? I was like, what are you talking about? Like, let's, I want both. And she was like, no, dad only gives me a certain amount of money per week. Is that how she described it? Like, dad gives me money? So I was like, well, I guess I want milk. And like, fuck dad (laughs) for making it that I can't get ponies. I want milk and a new father. Yeah. Damn. Yep. Whoa. It always starts so cute. It does. And then it right? just takes that. Like, like, I had a Tootsie Roll. Or like, I got pony in my pockets with my grandma. Oh, like, but no. man. And man, literally. Men. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do with that memory? So I went to step two, which is facing my fears and creating new talk about money to sort of, you know, see how my, my memory correlates to my deep-seated fears. And how did you do that? Well, I wrote out my greatest financial fear, and with some help from Brad, I took some time to examine how my fear connected to my money memory and my current views on money. So take a listen. My fear is I'm going to lose all my jobs, and all my money is going to dry up, and I'm going to be forced to leave my life in New York and move in to my dad's house in Santa Barbara where he lives by himself, and I'm going to have to rebuild my life the whole time while he's, like, there judging me. That's my worst fear. (laughs) So how do you think my money, memory, and my fear are connected? (laughs) For me, I'm just like, your impulse, don't trust it, you fucking idiot, because you don't know how the world works, because men control it. If you want to treat yourself like you're taking milk away from the family. And that's why I just try to not think about it, because it makes me feel dumb and guilty. Whoa. I think that you might think your dad's the final uh, say on money yes. in your life. Yeah. That's not cool. No. You're the one with money now. You should get to be the final say. Brad is right. You have the final say. Your dad lives in like three time zones away. I know. You are not under his roof and you're not under his thumb. I know. So I finished step two and made a new mantra to remind myself of that. You want to hear it? Yes. Yes. Let's hear it. My mantra is... 
I am so responsible and in charge that money is desperate to hang out oh, with me. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I can't <laughs> snap, but I'm going to go like this to cry and sound like snapping. She's tapping the tips of her fingers together <laughs> Like a little seal. Like, like a little here, seal. Here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's, pretend that's me snapping. That's actually Jolenta. <laughs> I... Love it. And it is so you, Jolenta. Thank you. Thank you. I you know, I got to put my twist on it. Love it. it. Love it. And then did you move on to step three after that? Yes. Being honest with myself. So I did what the book says. Made an educated guess about how much I spend per month. Did all the math. And guess what? What? I was only $185 off. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It blew my mind. Turns out I know way more about my spending habits and how much is coming in and going out than I thought I did. I'm not as irresponsible as I originally assumed. And that is a great way to end my first week. I love that. I'm all about ending on a high note. And I hope you have so many high notes coming up in week two. And I can't wait to hear about them. But first, we're going to take a quick break. And when we're back, we'll see how high we get. What? Kristen, cats need all the right nutrients, just like us. You know, they don't want that slimy canned goop or that super processed stuff that looks like cardboard. So I think all cats deserve Pretty Please. Pretty Please was designed to provide a superior nutritional profile for your cat. Their grain-free formula contains 24 essential vitamins and nutrients, minerals for strong bones and teeth, pre- and probiotics for digestive health, biotin for shiny fur and healthy nails, and top-choice chicken that your cat instinctively craves. That's more vitamins than I get. You know who is just the perfect cat candidate for Ooh. Pretty Please? Phoebe, my mother-in-law's kitty cat. She is a cat who loves to be taken care of. She has a lot of personality, and boy, does she eat up things that are nutritious. And she turns up her nose at non-high-quality food. So Pretty Please is perfect for Phoebe. Phoebe, I hope you're listening. Meow. That was Phoebe saying thanks. That's prettypleasecats.com, promo code by the book. Prettypleasecats.com, promo code by the book. Kristen, it's skirt season. Oh my God, you mean skirt and dress season. And that is why it's also mod cloth season. That's right. Discover everything from fun florals and stripes to easy one and done rompers and jumpsuits in fresh, wearable styles. You love a romper, Jolenta. Oh, it is true. And mod cloth believes fashion should celebrate all women. That's why they are expanding their size range from double zero to 28. You know, I was at a Mod Cloth boutique the other day. They have a pop-up in New York. Interesting. And I tried on the cutest vegetable dress, a cream-colored dress that has vegetables That's all over very it. very And, you know, I love some broccoli and tomato on a dress. You know I'm wearing that dress all spring. That's true. And right now, to get 15% off your purchase of $100 or more, go to modcloth.com and enter code BYTHEBOOK at checkout. That's modcloth.com, enter code by the book. This offer is valid for one-time use only and expires on August 3rd, 2019. Okay, Kristen, we talked about your first week of living by the nine steps to financial freedom. Now I need to hear about week two. How did it go? You weren't feeling great. Yeah, so remember my first week ended with me feeling anxious about who Dean and I should entrust our money to and our end-of-life decisions to. I realized I wasn't going to figure it out, so I actually started week two by just moving on to step five and leaving that in the dust. I mean, I figure it counts because you 
started the process. We started You're thinking it. about it. You're talking about it. You got the wheels turning. That's enough yeah. for me. We just need to give more time to it. We really do. Mm-hmm. And so, so step five, being respectful of your money and yourself. Yes, yes. Now, Jolenta, here's something that might surprise some of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Despite being quite thrifty, I'm not totally respectful of my money. And that shows with my mail, which you know I think about this, Jolenta. Oh, yes. Since most of my bills are on auto pay, I let my mail pile up, and I only really go through it once a month. But that means I also end up in situations like this one with Dean. We have little puddles of mail everywhere. Here's some more mail that you haven't opened that you just left around. Hold on here, but I thought I saw something the other day here. It's on the table here. I thought I put it in here. Every time I think I put something in here, do you ever take things out of here? No. You never take things out of here. No. All I do is put more things in there, lovey. Okay. But remember that thing that I got a few days ago from... Grand Holdings, and I thought I put it in here, and then the day when I thought I had tax forms in here, and then they weren't there anymore? Uh-huh. What the fuck? I don't know. Oh, no. Oh. That is just Girl. the light side of stress. You're a mess. It was bad. It was really bad. Um, You know that tone that I was taking with Dean? Are you sure you don't ever take things out yeah, of my mail, yeah. Cozy? It escalated. Uh, what? I, was, I no, thought that was the biggest fight you ever had right no, there. No, by escalated, <laughs> I, like, I started talking softer and softer. Oh, Are you no. sure you haven't? Oh, that's how you guys fight. I forgot. And then, you get real serious and, and then quiet. in my heart, there was a tiny part of me that was paranoid. Like, is Dean hiding my mail? Like, I was getting really irrational. I was oh my getting gosh. crazy. But you know what? Eventually, I found every piece of mail that was in the house. I tore every piece of mail open. I immediately began practicing some respect. I started paying anything that needed to be paid. I threw out stuff that needed to be thrown out. And then Mm -hmm. the next day, I did something very important. Mm -hmm. I went shopping with Dean for something I have not owned in over a decade. Okay. A wallet. Wait, are you fucking kidding me? No, no, totally <laughs> serious. What the fuck is wrong with you? I don't own a wallet. Where do but... you keep your Metro card and your no, credit like card? No, like here. Like, look. I so... see. You have a purse. There's just not a wallet no, in it. The what handbag are has... you? So, Sometimes showing... all I do is carry a wallet. No, so I'm showing you here. So the handbag has, like, three major pockets. Right, so... as bags do. Yes. So in pocket one is, like, my Metro card and my building key cards. Okay. See? And, then and po- they're in a, like, giant messy stack, you guys. Yes. And then pocket two has... A giant um, my messy driver's stack of license cards. and my two credit cards, and then pocket number three. cash? Pocket number three, cash. Those coupon cards when you go get coffee that mm-hmm. they stamp each time. So just, frequent user cards. Uh, toilet paper receipts, tissues, receipts, yeah. change, business cards. People have given me over the years. It was so bad, but now look what I have. Check out my shiny little new silver wallet. Look at this. <gasps> Oh my gosh, it's gorgeous. It's not a full size wallet. No, it's not. But that's all I carry a men's wallet. It's small. But the reason I got something like this, this little mini wallet I have, is because I don't have to unzip or zip anything to use it. Mm, so I, you're anti zipper, not anti wallet? I'm anti zipper and anti um, snaps. I'm anti anything that makes it harder to use. Oh, I love closing Any, things. No, anything that makes it easier to use, I'm more likely to use it. Like our household, mm-hmm. for example, is not a hanger house, it's a hook house. We are more likely to hang up our clothes you if we people. use hook. 
Yeah. So our living in a chaotic And I know we've world. been talking about this wallet way too long, but this is a major achievement It's very for me. cute, too. I like it. Thank you. It's Thank silver you so much. and shiny. Thank you, Tarje Boutique. Hey yes. Yo. Yes. All right. So after that, mm-hmm. I continued step five and blended it with step six. Okay. So step six is trusting yourself more than you trust others. Yes. And for this step, I really did want to trust myself. Specifically, I wanted to trust myself to invest money in retirement funds above and beyond what I've invested in the past. But the fact is, I recently incorporated, and as a company, I didn't know how to do these things. The book doesn't cover how to do these things. And so I set up an appointment with a financial planner. Nice. Somebody who was referred to me and who I trust. And I found out not only can I, through my company, create my own 401k plan with matching, (gasps) I can create my own pension plan. What? Yes. That's incredible. Yes, I know. Yes. You're trusting yourself to trust experts. Yes, absolutely. So what's next? Step seven? Yes, step seven. Being open to receiving all that I was meant to have. And for this one, rather than just giving a lump sum to the Environmental Defense Fund at the end of the year, which I think I've mentioned on the show before. I I usually donate to them at the end of every year. Mm -hmm. Instead of that, I decided I'm also going to donate to them every month from now on. And I set up a monthly donation. And fortunately, you know, this is great because Giving Tuesday or whatever that Mm -hmm. thing is every November, they had the same deal going, two to one matching. Oh, nice. So every month what I donate will be matched two to one for my entire year. Oh, my gosh. What? That's incredible. And if that is not proof of the flow of money, holy crap. Because I'm not making that money flow. Somebody Mm -hmm. else is matching me. Some imaginary person. Yeah. Yeah. And so that felt beautiful. It was almost like money was coming out of nowhere and making that happen. Just like Susie said. Yeah. Susie hints at one point in the book, like, don't be surprised if when you donate money, other money just shows up. And fucking boom. Yeah. And it felt Great. So then after that, I did step eight. Understanding the ebb and flow of the money cycle. Yes. How appropriate. (laughs) And for this, Dean and I talked about some of the stressful times we've gone through since we've been together, from both of us losing our jobs to a really bad year when I depleted the majority of my savings account to keep us afloat. It was pretty depressing, frankly, to look back on all that stress. But then Dean said this. Yeah, but don't forget, we even though that stuff was happening, when my my grandfather passed away in New Zealand, we were were able to find a way to to fly back there because we had a little, you know, we had some rainy day fund, even though we were incredibly stressed and incredibly tight. Yeah, you're right. We we did, I guess, have a rainy day fund. And rainy days happen, you know, stuff happens and. Having a little really goes a long way. That's so nice. It is. It is nice. And Kristen, I mean, I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Knowing you, I know you always have a little bit saved up. Or you got like, you always seem to have like a little something up your sleeve. So I think you can just trust yourself more. Uh, Very step six. (laughs) Um, You know, like, Dean's so right. Anyway, uh, I digress. Yeah, I I think it's good I'm with somebody like him and not with somebody like me (laughs) because it would just turn into some sort of scarcity fiasco Yeah, so you guys would really, like, amp each other up if if you were with another Kristen. Yeah, that that was a good talk. And then after that, I just— Step nine did? Yeah, I finished up the week with step nine, recognizing true wealth. And for this, I took an evening alone in the apartment and determined the value of everything in it. 
And I knew immediately the only things I'd be desperate to grab if there was a fire were my Nana's wedding ring, which is always on my hand, actually. Mm -hmm. That's the ring I got married with. My mother's ring that has the birthstones of me and my sister. Mm -hmm. And maybe my Nana's cookbooks and Pyrex. Maybe that square of wallpaper that I took after she died from her pantry. And then, you know— Honestly, all of the other stuff, the vintage furniture, the art on my walls, as much joy as they bring me, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Those things don't matter. I can always get other furniture. I can always get other art, even though that's one-of-a-kind art, but you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. No, it's the things that matter are the priceless things that you also got for free that someone would see in your house and be like, what's that? Like, who cares about your Pyrex? But to you, it has this whole story. Yeah, yeah. And so I was really comfortable with that assessment of things. But then it hit me. Mm-hmm. The most valuable thing in the apartment wasn't even there when I was doing the exercise. Because to me, the most priceless thing in my life is Dean. And <laughs> I'm getting really fucked here. I was here. like, God damn it, bitch. You <laughs> uh, going. I took my glasses off so I can cry. Keep going. And in addition to Dean, though, there are all the other people I love. They're my friends. I'm talking about you, Jolenta. Mm, I, value, I value you so much more than I value the furniture or the paintings on my wall. And... What family I have left, I value them. And I am just so lucky that I have so many people who love and support me and who I love back. And in that way, I am hugely wealthy. I'm incredibly fortunate. Like my mantra says, I am fortunate to be loved and I'll never have to go it alone. Enough of me, though. Let, let's move on to you, Jolenta. I want to uh, hear about wait. your second week of living by the nine steps to financial freedom. So. If you remember, I was feeling pretty good about myself. You sure were. And you were two. killing it. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, that was short-lived because I moved on to step four, which uh, is being responsible to those you love. Why do you sound like this is a problem? Well, here's the thing. I was reading through step four, and all this stuff about, like, trusts and wills and shit started ringing a bell. And I was like, I feel like someone was just talking at me about how I avoid this stuff. So, ask Brad about it. Was that thing you wanted me to print, like, months ago about a trust or a will? Yes, sweetheart. What was that? I wanted to set up a living will for myself because you were not interested. So I said I will at least set up a advanced directive for myself so that it is written down how you're going to deal with it if I, like, get in a car accident and, like, can't speak for myself. Okay, so you avoided that for some reason? Yeah, so Brad asked me to print some advanced directive a while ago, and instead of doing that or dealing with it, I ended up, like, throwing out our printer, buying a new one, doing surgery on some ink tanks. Like, I did a bunch of stuff but never dealt with the will or advanced directive or anything. Do you think that was because emotionally you were trying to avoid it or just because it didn't seem important because it was just, like, another piece of paper? Oh, sure I was trying to avoid it. Like, 100%, right? I yeah. hate dealing with money, so of course I hate dealing with, like, end of— I, And everyone hates thinking about death. So, like, yeah, I don't want to—I don't give a shit. I'm married. The law should know, like, give my money to Brad. I, he knows if I want to give something to someone else. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's very irresponsible the way I'm talking about this. I know that. So, so did you get on it and yes, do it? I printed the advance directive three months late. <laughs> 
And I printed one for myself, too. And we filled those out, and we have started working on a living will together. Good, 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 good. That's so, you very know, responsible. I hope my sister-in-law, Alexis, is happy getting all our shit. Except the dog, because that's going to go to my mom. <laughs> and I'm guessing then after that you moved on to step five because you're doing things in order? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was being more respectful of yourself and your money. So for this step, first, I went through, uh, there are a bunch of questions in the book that sort of help you figure out where your respect blind spots are. And surprisingly, I found I am very respectful of money already, Kristen. Really? I own a wallet. <laughs> my, my wallet is super organized. My money office is the same way. I used to work in a theater box office. And oh, I've, yeah. been, I've always been really into, like, money facing the same way. And Bill's organized, like, very orderly. In the till. Got to keep yeah. the till even. Yeah. I love a good till. So I'm respectful in that sense. But I tend to overlook... Surprise, surprise, retirement planning or Ooh. anything to do with end of life. Oh, that's all. That's my jam. And I feel like, you know, I should care about that. But I also like how I justify it in my head is like, I feel like I will work until I die. So why plan for retirement? Like, I just want to be Joan Rivers. I want to be like on stage or doing shit till I die. Girl, so who cares? me and you both. I know. I, but, but, but we both know that maybe the world won't let us work as much as we want to at a certain point, right? True, true. Right? No, and I was like, even if I want to work till I die, I might need a little, like, nest egg. So I did a bunch of research with Brad and to go along with his retirement account that we already have set up through his work that's matched and everything, I opened up my very own Roth IRA. Yes! Yes! You are looking at a woman who is saving for retirement officially for the first time at age 32. Congratulations! Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. Well, I mean, according to the Social Security Administration, if we do retire, it will be when we're 72 and a half, I think. So, oh, so when I'm dead. So you still have 40 years to throw money into that Roth IRA. Oh, I'm going to throw the shit out of that money. Yeah, put that money in there. You're going to do it. That's yes. great. Thank you. That's fantastic. I'm very proud of you. Thank you, thank you. And um, actually, while I was doing my research for step five, I sort of accidentally did step six, too, which is trust yourself more than you trust others. Yes, and how did you do that? So for part of my research about my retirement and just all my money shit and, like, I know you've become incorporated, and I'm like, should I? I don't know. I just do whatever Kristen does. <laughs> um, and so I had a consultation with a very sort of like hip young money manager who I heard about through freelancers who work with her and love her. Uh, but as she was laying out what she thought would be the best for me, I realized that the tons of research I'd done about my specific situation directly contradicted her advice. Oh, interesting. So what did you do then? I mean, so, I know you usually trust word of mouth oh, of other fully, people. Yeah. So what I, did you but do? I finished the call and I thought it over and I did even more research and I decided to politely decline from using her as an advisor because I trust that I understand my current situation better than she does. Whoa, look at you trusting. Which is not something I would ever do. Normally, if someone's like, I'm an expert, I'm like, okay, here's my money. Like, well, that's why we do this show. Like, <laughs> well, especially with money. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Wow. But I trusted myself, and I was like, whatever, time for step seven. Nice. That's being open to receive all that you are meant to have. And full disclosure, I love this step, Kristen, because I already do this step. Yes. I Everything I love is underfunded, right? Like all of us. Mm -hmm. Like I love theater. I love animals being rescued. I love organizations that like help promote equality and social justice. Those are all nonprofits underfunded. And I work 
very hard to give to give the little amounts I can, usually in recurring monthly donations, because oh. I like the way it feels. That is so great. That is so great. All right. So after that, what did you do? I did step eight. Understanding the ebb and flow of the money cycle. And I just thought about all the times money's made me feel like shit, you know, when I couldn't get my ponies, when I could never keep up with all the trends until all of a sudden in high school, my dad got a ton of money. When I graduated college and there was the financial crisis of 2008 and all of my savings that were invested literally went down to nothing. Mm, like it's I just, remember that. Yeah, it's just money has always felt very out of my control, very scary, something that dominates my life and, and like punishes me. And so I started texting with my friend Chris about this. He's known me for years. He sees how I spend. He's seen me talk on the phone with my parents. And here is what he texted me. <laughs> I think you fall into the same category that most millennials of privilege do. We were taught to never talk about money, so we don't really know how to deal with it in a smart way. You know that at the end of the day, you aren't going to be homeless or starving. You know, we have big cushions to land on, so we can pursue fields of work that aren't necessarily lucrative. But that also means we haven't really been forced to really know what money is worth. But I don't see you as a person who gets money and blows it on extravagant things you don't need. Mm. And then he did text later saying, are y'all living by a Susie Orman book? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, Chris. (laughs) So how did you feel about what he said? I loved what he said. I was conditioned to act like money doesn't exist. It's not my fault. It's not like my failing, Mm -hmm. you know? I was raised with a safety net, and I was raised by baby boomers who act like discussing money is similar to dying a very embarrassing public death. But I'm learning that you have to acknowledge it exists and that, like, you have some control over at least yours before you can even get to the ebbs and flows, you know? Yeah. It's just nice to remember, like, I'm not a failure because I'm afraid of money. No, you're absolutely not a failure. Not at all. Chris, if you're listening, good job. He is. He is. All right. And then what after that? Uh, Step nine, recognizing true wealth. Yes. Uh, And this one was easy. You know, I walked around my house. I put value on things. I took stock of the things that are priceless. And yeah, it's obvious. The things that matter to me were free. Okay. My most beloved possession was not free, Frank. I did Mm. pay an adoption fee. Yes. (laughs) But anyway, other than him, all of my beloved possessions were given to me or made for me by friends and family. You know, the baby blanket my mom made when she was pregnant with me. Oh, Uh, A shell I picked up on a beach in Rhode Island after a friend's wedding. A really beautiful drawing of a reality star my friend drew for me that I have in a frame up in our living room that everyone asks us about. Yes, yes, that's beautiful. Yeah. Like, these are the things that matter to me. And they're all tied to memories of love and fun and people that matter most. And those people obviously make me wealthier than any money. But money helps. (laughs) (laughs) That is the perfect way to end week two. Thank you. It is just beautiful. Just beautiful. Money matters, too, but people matter more, right? Yeah. All right. So I can't wait to hear what your verdict is. But we have to take a quick break. And um, before we do that, though, let's remind listeners how to get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. Have you lived by the nine steps of financial freedom? Are you a financial advisor? Let us know. Email us at kristinandjalenta at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 302-49-BOOKS. Hey, Kristen. Yeah, Jalenta. It's time for spring cleaning in your mouth. Oh, yes, it is. And Quip's got an easy way to start with your brushing habits. 
Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association, and it can help pave the way to a healthier mouth and mine in just two minutes a day, twice, daily. And now the whole family can get refreshed with Quip thanks to the new Kids Quip, which has the same two-minute timer and guiding pulses as their original version. But there are no childish gimmicks here, just kid-friendly features like a small brush head, watermelon anti-cavity toothpaste, and rubber grip handles in colors little ones will love. And I have to say, I have never had a cleaner feeling mouth than when I use Quip. So why not let your kids have the same experience? Their teeth deserve it too. It's no wonder over one million happy, healthy mouths love Quip, like us. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash buy the book right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash buy the book. Mother's Day is May 12th. Do you know what you're getting for a gift? Uh, I'm going to be getting my mother a Kendra Scott gift because Kendra Scott has all the perfect gifts to make her feel special this Mother's Day with high style quality pieces of jewelry at an affordable price. Like a personal charm necklace. I love a charm necklace. Mm -hmm. A pair of on-trend earrings, a classic pendant, or something customized just for her. Kendra Scott has it all. And they even have a great selection of gifts for under $100. And if you're shopping online, they have free shipping and free returns and free gift wrapping for that Mother's Day vibe. You know, I recently designed a color bar necklace through Kendra Scott. It was very affordable, and it's beautiful. It's such a great gift for Mother's Day because you can make it special. Just choose the color, choose the stone that would be the perfect fit for your mom. And right now, use code BUYTHEBOOK for 20% off your purchase of any full-price fashion jewelry at KendraScott.com or mention the code BUYTHEBOOK in any Kendra Scott store. That's code BUYTHEBOOK at KendraScott.com for 20% off your purchase, valid until June 11th. This Mother's Day, celebrate her with Kendra Scott. Okay, Kristen. It's time to get down to business. Did the nine steps to financial freedom actually work? Do we recommend it? Did it change our lives? Am I free now? (laughs) All right. As you know, I am already pretty good with my money. I know we've said this Mm -hmm. already many times in this episode. Sorry for people who are tired of hearing this. It's just a fact. So I wasn't totally sure if I'd even feel like I'd need this book. And the fact is, the book didn't even give me what I said I wanted in step zero, which was to financially prepare for my retirement years. Hmm. No. <laughs> like, think about that. It got you thinking about it. I feel like it did. No, 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 no. But, like, in no. the end, I, I am a corporation, and the book doesn't give advice for corporations. That on is a how large blind spot. <laughs> It's probably another Susie Orman book. I bet it is. Hopefully she just has a book for freelancers. I don't know. (laughs) On top of that, I didn't even finish all the steps in the book. Remember, I didn't manage to fully take care of my loved ones because I got caught up in that issue of, like, who should my trustees be and so on. So, um, you know, I, I didn't even fully live by the book as it was presented to me. But that being said, I still got a lot out of this book. It reminded me of all that I have. It gave me the motivation to give back more. And it reminded me to look at the big picture rather than just those singular moments of financial stress and financial distress. Because you can get very swept up in those. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. But more than anything, it forced me to acknowledge two truths every day. 
and to actually really start believing them. <gasps> really? I have more money than I need, and I am fortunate to be loved, and I'll never have to go it alone. That's so nice. All right, Jolenta, I want to hear your verdict. Kristen, this book was a lot of work. I had to do hours of research on all kinds of financial things from retirement to end-of-life care and doing actual math to figure out how much I spend, earn, donate, invest, and so on, yearly, monthly, whatever. Like, it's a lot, and it was not a breeze. But I have to say it was really worth it. It was totally worth it. I am so much more comfortable with my finances now. And through doing the exercises in the book, I have learned that I am also just way more responsible and on top of shit than I ever thought I was in general, just in my day-to-day life. And, you know, I'm not irresponsible. I'm not a failure at life. My dad has no say in how I spend my adult (laughs) money. Like, those are all things I actually, like, believe a little bit more. And this book has truly changed how I see my relationship with money. It literally helped me get closer to my step zero goal, which was to just be more comfortable and take more ownership over my financial life. And I think this book was fully worth all the work I had to do. And it really surprisingly improved my life. Like 100% love this book. Oh, yay. So I think that means we agree. Yay, we agree. We both agree. We feel a little bit more financially free because of this book. Mm -hmm. And remember Susie's mantra, people People first, first, then then money, then then things. The end. And that's it for this episode of By the Book. Huge thanks to our fabulous production team at Stitcher, the extremely economically responsible Nora Ritchie, and the very thrifty Casey Holford. Thanks also to Nate Wyda, who composed our theme song, and to the Rizzos, who perform it and have a mean retirement savings account. Reminder, we also have a season of the show called By the Book, Authors Tell All, exclusively available on Stitcher Premium. It features interviews with some of the authors whose books we've lived by, including America's Cheapest Family. And they didn't like how Kristen saw their books, so it was an interesting discussion. (laughs) Head on over to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code BOOK for a free month. Free. That is financially free. Oh my gosh, you're so free if you get a free month. (laughs) Please stay in touch with us, you guys. Let us know if you have read The Nine Steps to Financial Freedom. Send us any questions you have or suggestions for future books for us to live by. Our email address is kristenandjolenta at gmail.com. And don't forget, you guys, we have a new phone number if you want to leave us a message. Maybe you'll hear your own voice on a mini episode asking us a question. Give us a call at 302-492-6657 or it's just 302-49-BOOKS. Remember, you can always tweet us at Jolenta G, at Kristen Meinzer, or at Buy the Book Pod. We love hearing from you. We love seeing your tweets. We love all of you. We just love you staying in touch with us. You know what else we love? We love it when people rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts because the more you rate and review us, the more the weird magic algorithms work and the more other people can find out about our show. And don't you want everyone to listen? I do. I want everyone to listen. Also, rating and reviewing, it's free. That oh my doesn't gosh, cost what anything. a beautiful free activity. Yeah, such a oh. free, fun activity. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
Okay, Kristen. We talked about your first leak. Leak. Oh. No leaks. Oh, flashback. <laughs> no, that was a different season. Wrong one book. book. Stitcher. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.